Welcome to the first episode of Zoo Connections, a Phoenix Zoo podcast. We're hanging out with Danielle today. She's the zoo's behavioral enrichment and animal welfare coordinator. And every single day here at the Phoenix Zoo, the animals um, use behavioral enrichment in some capacity. And there's a good chance that the animals that you have living in your house use it too. Join the wild. Becoming a Phoenix Zoo member opens a world of wonder all year long. With free daytime admission, discounts throughout the park, and more, a zoo membership is a great value. To become a zoo member, visit phoenixzoo.org. Thank you, Danielle, for being here today for our very first episode, which is super exciting. Oh, yay! I'm so excited to talk about behavioral enrichment and how important it is for all of the animals here at the zoo. It's very important, um, so much so that we have a whole role, my role, dedicated to managing our BE program. So behavioral enrichment, sometimes we shorten it to BE, um, same thing. Uh, basically, it's anything that enhances our animals' experience living with us in our managed care setting, which is the zoo. And then it also is really beneficial because it helps promote their species appropriate behaviors and species appropriate behaviors are essentially anything that an animal would do in the wild that is appropriate to be done in a managed care setting like the zoo Um, and then on top of that it also allows our animals to have that experience of uh, being able to make choices and have control in their environment so it's really important for them mentally and physically what are the different types of behavioral enrichment that are used here on a daily basis at yeah. the zoo? So there's actually, it kind of depends. You know, the, when you look up behavioral enrichment, sometimes you can also find just enrichment or environmental enrichment. And when you look that up, it depends on who you're finding your sources from as to how they categorize BE. We tend to say we have five categories of BE. The uh, different categories, we can go all the way (laughs) in depth into them because it can be quite extensive. But basically, you've got sensory enrichment or enrichment that will stimulate any of the five senses. So things like novel taste, sound, sight, um, even different sensations for touch, um, and then... A smell. Smell. There we go. It's like, I always forget. There's always one more. So things like um, perfumes fall into that category. Then there is our substrate or structure enrichment, which is more environmental enrichment. Things that we offer them, like furniture, different um, bedding, things like that. There's social enrichment, which is kind of how enrichment that basically encourages appropriate social behaviors between animals um, as well as that can even be interactions between humans and animals so animal training falls under that Um, that's what three of the five then we've got manipulata enrichment or cognitive enrichment that basically is anything that they can manipulate or touch that will encourage them to think Um, and then the last and probably the biggest one is foraging enrichment. And that's because foraging is anything that an animal does to 
search for food, acquire said food, and then process that food. And in the wild, that is actually gonna be the most time-consuming behavior that they have. And so we like to mimic that as much as possible. And so our foraging enrichment category tends to be very broad and wide and big, and we use that one probably the most here at the zoo. That's awesome. Yeah. So we use foraging the most, but after that, would you say the other four categories are more on like use on a daily basis or just here and there when um, keepers see a benefit for them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it depends on the animal because each animal is going to have different needs. Our primates are going to require way more stimulation and behavioral enrichment than a reptile would. And so our keepers are trained to not only work with their animals, but they're also trained to observe them and assess their needs to then be able to implement these things. And so for some, they can have you know, more social enrichment if that's what the animal is ben like benefits from. Um, they can have more social enrichment on a daily basis. For others, they may spread it out more. So it really depends. I do think sensory, since sensory enrichment, it stimulates any of the five senses, that one is probably the next one just because <laughs> that's an easy and a very beneficial one to hit too. Out of the five, do you have a favorite? Oh, I, I mean, it's always fun to see the cognitive and or the foraging um, devices, uh, just because a lot of those tend to be your puzzles Ooh, or things that you watch the animal have to figure it out. And so it's, it's really fun to watch that. The, you can see the wheels turning in the animal's <laughs> heads as they have it. So it's really fun. And you know, we talk about the five categories, but it depends on the goal or the intention of the item as to what category it tends to fall into. Interesting. So, in, like, in other words, like a, a foraging device could be a puzzle feeder, a ball with a hole in it. And that device with offered with food is a foraging device, a foraging type of enrichment. But if it's not offered with food, if it has a scent on it, then it's no longer a foraging device, but it's the same device. Mm -hmm. So it can, depending on what the goal is, it can kind of fall into different categories. So we were talking about um, BE helping you reach goals that you have for animals. Yeah. Can you walk us through the process of how the, that BE would help reach those goals? Absolutely. Yeah, because BE isn't just let's throw a ball into an exhibit and see what they do. It's a very well thought out, purposeful process. And our keepers are involved, our um, behavioral enrichment team volunteers um, are involved in that process as well. And basically we all look and we say, okay, what types of goals do we want to set for this animal? And when we set those goals, we actually will take into account the animal's natural history and what behaviors they would normally be doing because, um, you know, we talked about earlier, behavioral enrichment targets those species-appropriate behaviors. Mm -hmm. So we really want to target it to the species, but even further than that, we also look at the individual's history and what 
behaviors is the individual exhibiting versus what we want them to exhibit. And so then we will try and come up with goals that target those specific behaviors. We have a full formal approval process um, that involves our vet staff, our curators, our managers. Um, and then once we have it being approved, then we have to, you know, build it or buy it, make mm-hmm. it happen. And so we've got our volunteer group that can be a part of that. Our ops department can be a part of that, depending on how sturdy we need that to be. (laughs) Um, Or we can purchase our items. Sometimes we can find something that's already ready-made. And once we have that item in hand, we give it to the animal, we observe them, we document what they're seeing. But then even further than that, we evaluate it. We want to make sure that it's achieving the goal that we originally intended. And if it's not achieving the goal that we originally intended, then we rework it and we'll change it, tweak it, whatever we need to do to be able to have it achieve that goal. And that way, all of the enrichment that they're getting is, like I said, very purposeful, but it's also benefiting them. It's not just to say that we're offering it, it's there to truly be a benefit to them. Would you be able to give us some examples? I totally can. (laughs) You know, um, oh, let's see. You know, for example, sometimes when our keepers offer something to an animal, we like to try and make sure that our animals will succeed um, just because we don't want them to get frustrated Mm -hmm. or, you know, say, well, I can't do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to mess with that item. We like to give them that chance to succeed. So sometimes when our keepers offer, and I, for my background, I used to be a carnivore keeper. So even I know when I would offer something, I'd go, I don't know if it's (laughs) too difficult. I'm just going to do it this way. And then they would blow through it and they would get it, whatever the goal was, they would achieve it right away. Mm -hmm. For example, One of probably the um, most prevalent BE items that we can offer is a cardboard box. And that sounds so simple, and that's because it is, but it is like a multifaceted item. You can put food in it, you can close it, you can put food in it, and you can cover that food with hay. You can, you know, you can really change and make that item very dynamic. And so sometimes I know I would offer a cardboard box and be like, I don't know if they can get this open. I'm just going to leave it, you know, with a flap open. And then they just stick their head in there and they pull it out in two (laughs) seconds. And no, that's, you know, that was way too easy. So then the next time we take that experience and think, well, how can we make it better? How can we challenge them more? Then maybe this time we cover it or maybe we even will make the hole that they can get stuff out of really small or, you know, place it under a log to where they have to knock the log off to get that out. You know, it's a whole process, Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is trial and error. That's so fun because then you get to know that animal even more, (laughs) but then also you get to do like a trial and error science project of... Yes. What's going to be the best way to achieve these goals? Yes, absolutely. I know we've talked a lot about, like, using BE horizontally. Yeah. Um, Can we talk a little bit about, like, vertical use of um, BE? Yeah. So, 
you know, when we talk about BE, we try and, like we said, ta like target those species-appropriate behaviors. We look at their natural history. For some animals, placing things on the ground or even just kind of a, in a easy-to-reach format is really good for them. But for some animals, being able to place things really up high and encourage them to climb is very species-appropriate and very beneficial. So what kind of comes to mind is our elephant Indu. they'll hang up items just kind of out of reach where her her trunk will have to go find it and that's because in the wild elephants would be navigating their environment and reaching for things with their trunk things way out of reach <laughs> that they somehow find and get um another example would be a lot of our primates that are arboreal or they live up in the trees uh, the keepers are able to place items or place browse um, which is plant material um, place a lot of that stuff where they would naturally be going to encourage that behavior so it depends on the species um, as to if we utilize that vertical space or not um, but for a lot, we do. That's awesome. Yeah. Join the Wolf Pack. The Phoenix Zoo's Wolf Pack monthly giving program helps sustain critical care for over 3,000 animals housed at the Phoenix Zoo. Your commitment to these vulnerable species allows for food, shelter, medical care, and worldwide conservation. To learn more, visit phoenixzoo.org. Now that we know what behavioral enrichment is and why it's so important for animals, I'm sure our listeners are very curious what a typical or I guess not so typical day <laughs> looks like for you. Would you be able to walk us through yeah. what a day looks like? Yeah, I mean, so my position as the behavioral enrichment and animal welfare coordinator, I oversee the behavioral enrichment program, but I also work with our keeper staff to ensure that our animals needs are being met and we do that through assessing our animals welfare too so it's kind of like a twofold position <laughs> and I, I really like that because they go hand in hand mm -hmm. animal welfare or animal well-being um, is really accomplished through providing things for our animals including behavioral enrichment so on a day-to-day -day, it there really is no typical day. I It depends on what we got going on. Sometimes I come in and I'm able to accomplish a lot of stuff at my desk for that day, kind of going through and approving BE or working on getting things approved for our keepers. Um, we also log everything, so kind of going through and looking at all of that, <laughs> looking at all of our databases for BE as well. Um, but then sometimes I come up here and I, um, or come up to the front, we have like a whole area where we've got supplies to make BE. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm getting dirty making some BE as well. Um, or I have volunteers uh, that I kind of oversee their groups that help make BE. And so sometimes I'm meeting with them to how kind of how to do that. And then there are times where I'm out on the trail and I'm watching our animals interact with their BE or even just um, move around in their environment and see what they're doing. So it really depends. 
um, on what we've kind of got going on, but I try to get out and about as much as possible and just kind of see the animals because not only is it good to know what they're doing, but it's also fun to watch them. So yeah, your job sounds very fun. Oh, I love my job. I love it so much. There's not a day where I wake up going, oh, do I have to go to work? Um, with the Africa Trail expansion, mm -hmm. like nearing completion now, no. have you been going over there to look at the different habitats and thinking like, what kind of BE would be good in these habitats? Yes. You know, that is a great question. <laughs> I walk by that brand new exhibit almost every day. Cause mm -hmm. I, come, I come up here a lot, so I walk by there all the time, and it is, it's amazing. The, how they have the complexity within the exhibit in itself is enriching, so that's really awesome to see. And of course, there's going to be some possible safety considerations to think about when it comes to BE. Um, a good example, just a, a current example, is with our current tiger exhibit. Since a lot of it is on a slope, we mm -hmm. can't have things like kegs. We can offer our tigers metal kegs and they love it. It creates a very loud sound when they bang it around and it stimulates the prey species that they can manipulate and knock around. Um, however, if they were to have it on exhibit and they got too excited, it could break the glass. And so when we have a new exhibit, our keepers, our managers, we go through and we look at it and we say, okay, what would be safe to try out here? And a lot of it still is trial and error. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll give them a ball and then they might go and run it into a plant or some <laughs> other exhibit feature that it, maybe it's not the best to be out there anymore. Um, but the exhibit in itself, I love Predator Passage. It's very dynamic in how it's built and it's gonna allow for a lot of their behavioral needs to be met, which is exciting, and so the BE will just be an added bonus for them. The expansion being complete, it will bring in a whole new group of animals that you'll have to get to know and yeah. understand, like, how can we best meet their needs and yeah. what are their current needs? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to take a lot of observations, a lot of getting to know them. Um, luckily, when you have new animals come in, the previous facility that they came from always communicates this is what we offer them or this is what works for them or definitely don't offer <laughs> them this because they'll eat it <laughs> or something like that so they come with a lot of that information but it's still a new place um, mm -hmm. and for some of our animals it'll be a whole new social setting too and so they will have to be monitored by the keepers to reassess how they're doing with their behavioral enrichment. And then basically the whole process of enrichment is you're constantly reworking it. So it's a never ending process. Yeah. They'll just be constantly going through that, reworking it, making it better. And some of these species are all new to the zoo yeah. or they haven't been here in yes. quite some time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. New animals completely. It'll be really exciting. It'll be fun to go and provide the enrichment, but also watch. Mm -hmm. So. Get a unique glimpse of the zoo. If you're looking for a truly unique experience, join us for a backstage adventure and get an insider's glimpse of some of our animal habitats. 
Experiences are offered daily and can last 30 minutes to an hour. Tours must be booked in advance by calling our reservations department at 602-914-4333. To learn more, visit phoenixzoo.org. So this is the part of the podcast that I'm going to call Keeper Corner. Okay. And I posted on our Facebook and Instagram stories that we were recording a podcast episode about behavioral enrichment. Okay. And asked people to submit their questions that they have for you. Ooh, fun. The type of behavioral enrichment that we currently don't use at the zoo, but you've seen at either other institutions or online that you're like, ooh, I really want to get my hands on that and use that here. Yes. Always. I think that's always going to be a, like a resounding yes, because there's an endless possibility of, you know, ways to put things together to achieve the same goal. And for a lot of our animals, the goals will be the same, but you can have a multitude of items that achieve that goal. But what that does is that increases variety and they don't just get the same item over and over again. They don't figure out the puzzle right away because they've had it a million times. So what's really cool is zookeepers love to talk and they love (laughs) to share um, success stories and pictures. And so we get a lot of inspiration from other facilities through their social media um, or even just networking with their keeper staff, Um, surprisingly Pinterest has a lot Interesting. of, you know, things on there. If you look up enrichment, it, you can find a lot of stuff. And so you go through it and it'll achieve the same goal that something else might achieve. It may even be slightly similar design, but just a little change in that will cause a variation that will just make that animal think just a little bit more. And so while I don't have any specific (laughs) item, it's basically always, yes, we're always looking for more and we're always getting inspired by others. Do you have a favorite memory of behavioral enrichment either that you've created or that a keeper has created and Mm -hmm. um, that an animal absolutely loved? I do. I, my background being a carnivore keeper, mm-hmm. I worked a lot with our, um, our big cats, like our tigers, um, our mountain lions, and Joanne, probably my favorite tiger. <laughs> um, I've worked with a few, so she's very near and dear to the heart. She's so sweet. She loves chicken. <laughs> and if you had chicken you her whole demeanor and behavior changes she's just gets super energetic it's super focused and i want that chicken interesting it is her goal in life to get the chicken (laughs) and so when i was her keeper i would try and use that chicken to extend out her foraging time or a you know that time that she would have to go find it and get to it and then eat it and so we have a ball that we call a yin yang ball and it's essentially this pre-made zoo item of really thick plastic it's probably like an inch thick of plastic so it's really durable and it has holes all around it and so i found a way to stuff the chicken inside (laughs) the ball and at first I questioned myself if, you know, she'd be able to get it out and she smelled the chicken when I would let her out onto the exhibit and she would play and knock that ball around and I think 
probably she ended up getting the chicken within five to ten minutes. So it you know, didn't extend it out super, super long, but longer than just placing it out yeah. there. And she was so interactive with the ball. She'd pick up the ball. She'd try and hold her paw in there and get She <laughs> So watching her trying to figure it out, is that was probably, and it's so simple, but that's probably my favorite you know it's amazing just joanne and her chicken she was <laughs> determined to get that chicken the chicken it's always chicken i know that you talked about um using boxes mm-hmm. as a behavioral enrichment item and how they can be used in so many different ways yeah and for those that follow us on social and are on our z news list or mm-hmm. check out our website they've probably seen a lot of the be boxes that yeah. you have created which are absolutely amazing oh, yeah do you have a favorite one that you worked on? Um, honestly, I don't do all those boxes myself. I, or <laughs> myself, I just want to put that out there. We have an amazing behavioral enrichment team. It's a dedicated group of volunteers that all they want to do is help promote our BE program and help um, out caring for the animals. And so they will help us do a lot of these themed be um holiday special birthdays so if you ever see like the birthday boxes and Mm -hmm. things like that most of that is created by our volunteers so they are so awesome so appreciative for them and i've uh, done a few here and there probably my favorites are they're really simple but i've created those boxes the really big ones that we use for chudy when he picked the (laughs) losers of the Super Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl. One day he'll get it right. One day. Or maybe we just know he knows who's not going to win. True. We have to flip it. (laughs) We're going to have to flip it. Um, But I, you know, make the, I helped make these, they're simple, but I helped make these giant boxes that I was very proud of that to see them see him go and interact with it. And of course the keepers would enhance the box. They would put (laughs) peanut butter smears to get that novel smell novel taste on it and then he'd interact with it a lot more um but as simple as they came out to be i love them because they were gigantic and i hand drew those logos so that's amazing i'm pretty proud of myself (laughs) Our, our listeners at home were wondering are there any resources that you'd recommend to them that they can use for um their pets yeah absolutely i mean I mentioned Pinterest. Pinterest is really awesome. Um, When we look at it for zoo stuff, we look up enrichment. People may be able to look up toys, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But Pinterest is a great resource. And then there are some places, or there's a few websites I've come across that will have kind of a database of enrichment that they gear it towards more zoo animals however that enrichment the concept and the design or the idea behind it can be used for even our pets at home and so some of those if you look just on um i think it was wildthink.org or something like that they have like a database that you can use and look up the designs and stuff or even if you just go to the pet store and you look at the different like pre-made toys that Mm -hmm. they have geared towards our pets you can make a lot of stuff at home without having to purchase you can repurpose a lot of stuff we repurpose a lot of stuff here at the zoo so 
the paper towel rolls, um, the cardboard yep. tubes, you can put your animal's food in there, and then as long as they don't eat paper, <laughs> stuff it with paper, and then they got to figure out how to get that out. Or if you have, um, you could even find like a ball, and if you can get a hole put in it, you can put stuff in it, and then they got to roll it around to get stuff out. You can make a wide variety of stuff at home. Um, getting those ideas from Pinterest or other places or even just looking at different designs from the pet store and then recreating it. If our listeners wanted to help provide BE items for the animals, what would be the best way for them to get involved with that? Yes, uh, we love this question (laughs) because when we talk about BE, it's a process, but it also requires a lot of collaboration. And we have departments on zoo grounds that collaborate to help make BE a thing for our animals, our nutrition services, horticulture departments, our operations department. We all come together, but our guests also are part of that process, our members, our guests, our donors. They're also part of this process for collaboration and making it happen. And a lot of that is done through either um, monetary donations. Um, You know, I want to purchase stuff for our animals for BE. I'm going to donate money to the zoo. Um, We actually have a source on our website that links to our wish lists. And wish lists have items that our trails want to have. Um, and they basically link directly to those items and then so people can purchase the items themselves or they can call our donor relations department (laughs) and say, here's $100, buy something. (laughs) And so uh, we basically will get a lot of our BE through those wish lists and our keepers are so thankful, our animals are so thankful all the time. So it's great. And in December, if you're on grounds, we do have the wishlist trees yeah. that live in our gift shop and you can just pick different things yeah. off of there which is pretty cool yeah and a lot of it is all geared towards you know it can be other things too but a lot of it is that behavioral enrichment and so it's it's always something because you know I talked about how the goal can be one thing but that goal can be achieved by a wide variety of items so we're always looking for having that wide variety of items so we can never have too much be there's no such thing as too much be so um yes very thankful for all those that want to support the zoo in that capacity and it's very simple to do especially as a nonprofit, without monetary donations or wish list item donations we would not be able to do half of the stuff that you talked about today absolutely we do what we can our keepers will you know make things happen but having that support from our members our donors our guests it's amazing well thank you danielle for being our very first guest on the podcast thank you for having me it was so wonderful to chat about behavioral enrichment and engage with our audience who has been wanting to know more about this amazing program and everything you do here at the zoo yeah um we hope all of you enjoyed listening to the first episode don't forget to follow us on social at phoenix zoo